Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the RCVS podcast. I'm Anna Feeney, a member of the communications team at the college, and in this episode we'll be talking to one of last year's winners of the Wellbeing Awards, Meadows Farm Vets. The Wellbeing Awards were started just a few years ago in a collaboration between the college's Mind Matters Initiative and the Society of Practicing Veterinary Surgeons, or SPIVs. They recognize as practices that go above and beyond in supporting their team and make well-being a priority. Applications are now open for this year's awards, so do visit www.vetwellbeingawards.org.uk for more information. Meadows Farm is a farm animal only practice, and they have come up with some really fantastic ways to support their vets and solo consults and to create a community feel within the team. I started by talking to Sophie Aylett, the principal vet, about their approach. I'm now here with Sophie Aylett, the principal vet at Meadows Farm. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, no problem. So what we hear a lot about when it comes to large animal vets is that there's a bit of difficulty with people feeling unsafe or isolated when they're traveling out to different farms. How do you approach that in your practice? Well, it's kind of part of the job, really. Um, we expect our farm animal vets to complete jobs on their own and to kind of plan their own diary and set off on their own day. Um, so the way that we've decided to combat that as a practice is we've got satellite tracking on the vehicles. It means we can keep tabs on the vets. I mean, we're not big brother, we're not watching them every move and timing them for how long they take for their lunches and things, but it means that if they're lost we can give them directions, we can give farmers up-to-date arrival times without having to phone the vet and say where are you? Um, and specifically when we send vets out on standard jobs, for example to do some castrates or a couple of PDs, if they've been there a bit longer than we expect them to, we can give them a ring and say is everything alright, do you need an extra pair of pans? Brilliant. And you've also got a clinical manager on call, haven't you, the entire time? Yes, we always have two senior vets on call. So the vets work, um, they share the rotor out equally. It's a one in four rotor. So they always have a fixed night every week. So they can plan to do stuff around it, like join the cricket club or play rugby or something else like that. Um, and then there's always either myself or our clinical director, Ollie, on duty, uh, back up on the phone. So if they need anything, they can give us a ring or we can come out and give them an extra pair of hands. Yeah, and one thing that seems quite unique, um, every vet has got their own van, which is beautifully branded with your cow yeah. spots. It, it's good advertising. Yeah. I mean, a lot of farmers, um, both clients and non-clients, comment on the fact that, oh, I've seen one of your vans driving around the lanes recently. So it's good awareness, raising awareness of the practice. But it's nice for the vets to have control of their own workspace. So they pick their own um, toolbox for the back. They lay it out exactly how they want to. It's their responsibility to keep it clean, but we think it provides a better first impression on farm and a more efficient way of working for them. Yeah, and you've also got quite a lot of equipment that's available for hire by the farmers, is that right? Yes, yeah. So if the farmer's handling system uh, isn't up to scratch or we're dealing with animals away from home, we can hire out crushes and races. So we can basically set up a mobile handling system anywhere the farmer would like us to, uh, hopefully to make it safer and more efficient for him, but primarily to make it safer for our vets. So if they turn up on farm and the handling system is not suitable to the beast they're trying to deal with, we can step in and provide our own handling system. Um, it it works in two ways. As I said, it's safer for the farmer and the vet, but it's also more efficient for the farmer. He's then paying less time, less veterinary time to get the job done. So it should work out as a cheaper solution for him than buying his own new kit. And then presumably safer for the vet and the animals at the same time Absolutely, as well. yes. Yeah, if you've got the right handling kit, you can get on with a lot more dangerous jobs more efficiently, more safely, um, and yeah, just crack on through them much better. Yeah, and so what happens when you get a new vet, one who might not have worked in a practice before? How do you kind of induct them into this world? Um, so when new vets join us, and we, we're quite keen on taking new grads, and we'll also take on small animal vets and 
TB testers. So for us, it's not necessary that you have farm animal veterinary experience. It's more that you've got the communication skills and the enthusiasm and you can fit in with our team and respond to our teaching style. So when they turn up for their first week, it's quite a heavy induction. You know, we go through your shirts and your vans and kind of get you set up. We've got an induction manual as well. They can have a look at there's one here that all the other all the previous vets have commented on and written notes on and stuff um, and then for the first four weeks we send them out on good outcome visits so they might go to uh, pre-movement test an animal or they might go to um, uh, examine a sick animal but one that we know that's not terribly sick so they can build their confidence and the farmer can build their confidence in them as well and kind of start off start off the relationship on the right footing yeah, and what did make me laugh actually reading your application you said that sometimes when you've got a new vet going out on their own for the first time that you have a kind of more experienced vet lurking in the general yeah. area. So we, we don't run an internship or anything like that, but we kind of, yeah, we supervise the vets for about four weeks. And then, mm. to be honest with you, we get a little bit bored of supervising them. You know, they've got, to, they've got to learn how to do the job themselves. So we'll send them out on a visit and tell them they're going on their own. But in reality, one of the other vets will be parked up in a lay-by half a mile away. So if they get stuck and they phone for help, there's someone who can get there immediately to sort out the problem. But to the new vet's uh, kind of interpretation, they feel like... Like they're dealing with something on their own so it builds their confidence um, and yeah it's just a safety net really and how do you deal if there's ever any feedback from the farmer and does it come to you or do they normally relay that straight to the vet who they've been dealing with so during the first four weeks or so i usually phone the farmer after every visit to say you know we've sent the new vet out to you today do you have any feedback for us because the farmers know it's a new vet for us so we just like to make sure that they're happy with the service we're providing and if they've seen any red flags that we we potentially haven't noticed um, and then quite often the rest of the feedback usually comes back through to me um, either through our Facebook page um, or through phone calls and what I try to do is pass on all positive feedback at staff meetings in front of the other vets and all negative feedback we deal with a one-on-one -on -one basis so we'll do a little bit of investigation and see what's going on before we deliver that. Right, and another quite unique thing, you're actually a practice standards assessor. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to see if I can say this right. You are the first farm-only practice to get outstanding in all of these three different awards, the team and professional responsibility, the client service, as well as the advisory consultation service. Yes, yeah, yeah so, right. so what does that kind of mean for your practice, and how do you go about actually getting all your ducks in a row when you're applying for that? Um, it, I suppose uh, we applied for it because of the challenge, because no one else had done it, and we mm. wanted to see if the standards and the protocols that we've introduced would actually measure up to the Royal College standards um, and we were really pleased to see that they did so the actual assessment um, although we submitted a lot of paperwork the assessment was actually one of the practice standards assessors uh, my boss in fact coming around and chatting to all the vets so I didn't get very involved in it but I gave each of the vets an area of responsibility so Craig took over infection control so he's come up with protocols for biosecurity van cleaning policies and things like that uh, Morgan another one of our vets took over surgery uh, a module and she's come up with surgical checklists and stuff like that so we found it a really useful exercise to see if we could bring ourselves up to the levels that you'd expect in I know a small animal hospital for example and to see what things we were already doing were good and what things we needed to do to bring our standards up to the highest possible level. So it seems like it's really about giving each team member real responsibility mm. and making them feel empowered to do what they can in that area. Definitely mm. yeah and that's uh, that's how we got the team to kind of uh, see the value in practice standards. What we hope it will add value to the practice in is if new gr new grads or vets are applying to us for a job they've got a, a, a standard level they can look at and say right well they've achieved this. For our farmers I don't think it means that much particularly they're more bothered on positive 
positive outcomes. But we have <laughs> advertised it to our farmers to make sure that they know that you know it's something we've done and something we're proud of. And we've sold it to them as sort of like an Ofsted inspection for schools. That's kind of the something they can easily relate to. Exactly. And um, was that a similar theory you had when you decided to apply for the Wellbeing Awards? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Very similar. We we wanted a way to measure what we do as a practice um, to see if it actually matched matched up to industry standards of well-being. And it's very difficult to find something that's unique to veterinary practices that'll make that work. Um, so we thought we could have a bit of a punt and see what see if what we were already doing. So we haven't done anything different for the well-being. We just wrote about what we already do and see if that would be something that uh, somebody else would think was was enough for well-being. Yeah, you said before it was actually your first and only draft, is what yes. you sent off. You just kind of sat down and, and it, yeah, it was submitted everything. about half an hour before the deadline. <laughs> as well. It wasn't terribly well. Um, but what we did was we printed out the application form. We passed it around the vets again. Everyone had their opportunity to contribute an answer to every question, um, and then I did the creative writing part and put it all into, the, into the final application and then yeah pinged it off and we waited to see what would happen. So what did it mean to you when you got it back? And it was amazing to be honest we were so surprised that we did actually double check to see if we, it was us that had actually won because we just couldn't believe um, that what we'd done was had actually been recognised in such a manner. Um, for, primarily because I started at the practice eight years ago um, with just me and the telephone and my husband as practice manager and we've uh, we've picked off um, things we've seen other practices do I worked as a locum for a while so we've picked up various practices and protocols from other people and tried to pick the best of them to make a, a modern innovative reactive farm practice and so it was just really nice to have an, a governing body and authority to turn around and say yep what you're doing is actually right you're looking after your staff you're trying your best to look after your farmers as well um, and yeah we were pleased to give you this kind of recognition and well-being is something that you kind of always need to be working on isn't it do you have any kind of projects upcoming that you work on? um i think what something we'd like to do in the future is because obviously we're, the practice is based on a farm we'd like to actually keep some stock here so that the vets actually get involved in keeping stock because we're farm vets um by trade a lot of us have links to farm animals but don't always have the time and space to to keep farm animals so that's something we'd like to do in the future definitely is keep a small flock of pedigree sheep and pedigree cattle and then everyone gets involved in them and then at, at um, harvest time obviously everyone takes a bit of, of meat home and things like that we feel that would be quite a rewarding and still quite tightly tied to the farm practice side of things um, but in terms of well-being I think we'll just carry on um, making sure that our vets have a good working life balance and just making sure they have time and support to get on with their job and do it to the best of their ability. Yeah, and you mentioned that you had a kind of painter cow exercise yeah, coming up Yeah, well. so yeah. something we do every every year, we have a Christmas party and we thought we'd, we'd do the Christmas party again this year because it's with our local farmers club. Um, it's their awards dinner, so it's quite nice to see our farmers getting given prizes and stuff. But we thought we'd take that a step further this year and what we'll do is there's a local artist called Samantha Morris who specialises in cow and uh, sheep art and she'll come out for a morning or an afternoon and run a painting session. So it's called Painter Cow and I think we'll set that up at some point when it gets gets a little bit steadier so once the shows are finished and before housing starts um, and yeah get the vets involved in that see if see if any of them have got any creative skills at all <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait to see those it'll be quite interesting yeah we'll put that we'll put the results up on social media definitely we'll put them on Facebook um, but yeah it'll be interesting to see because vets we tend to be very scientific and practical we can fix what we can see in front of us and we can come up with solutions but we'd like to see what their creative side of their brain can actually come up with so we'll We'll let you know. Whole new chats. Thanks so much for talking to us, Sophie. No problem. 
We're now here with Craig Fanburn, who's been a vet here at the practice for two years. Thanks so much for joining us. No worries. So you actually joined as a new graduate to Meadows Farm, is that right? Yep, mm. I joined about October 2016, first job. Uh, was going after a purely farm animal job, and this ticked all the boxes that I was looking for, and a few more, so here I am. <laughs> so how did you find it when you first joined? Um, what kind of support systems were in place? Uh, so when I first joined, uh, there was a couple of us who joined all at the same time. Um, but So there was a sort of quite obvious senior and junior side of the team. Um, from day one, uh, we were always told that it was better to go and ask for advice, even for the small side of stuff. So to go and give one of the seniors a phone call if there was anything that we were worried about. Um, and it's definitely a sort of feeling that that is a genuine phone up and ask uh, rather than sort of try and struggle and muddle through yourself. Um, so yeah from, yeah, from day one really, you can sort of phone either Sophie or any of the other guys um, if you've got any worries or concerns. Mm. Um, and then there's the sort of, they're there for the support as well. So if you feel out of your depth, somebody to give you a bling, ring. Um, and then sort of building up your cases from the start, so not putting you onto anything that you feel too out of your depth in, but then developing mm. it up from there, really. Working it up. Yeah, actually on the table, we've got this amazing kind of star chart. So it's got you and some of the other vets on it. And yeah. Kind of, yeah, so how, do, how does that work? So the, yeah, the star chart, is, it's a pretty, pretty basic, but um, really effective idea. So there's the three of us that started all together. Um, so they wanted to make sure that they could follow our progress both on what we were confident in, what we possibly needed more practice on, and what, through either bad luck, um, we <laughs> hadn't really seen. So, uh, for example, so I came out of uni very happy doing castrates. Um, so I pretty much had one vet come around with me at one point, watch me do the castrates, and then tick me off, give me a gold star on that. Um, <laughs> whereas I hadn't done much in the way of surgery. So on the chart, they could track that I'd done sort of three Caesars uh, assisted by the other vets. And at that point, I might not have been quite ready to go do them by myself. So they'll have kept on uh, sort of not having given me the gold sign-off star quite yet. But it's also a really good way of being able to distribute the work between the three of us, because we're all trying to get the interesting and fun stuff at once. So or fighting over it the was, cases. Yeah, exactly. So um, from, yeah, George, I think, at the start um, was unfortunately missing the LDAs, but it was really obvious that that was the case. So it ended up being um, sending him on to any sort of cases that might have turned into one just to try and get his experience up. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it was a really just good way of tracking what we've seen, what we're confident in and what we are good to go and do mm -hmm. and completed by ourselves really yeah and you guys seem to also be really great at it kind of divvying up the well quote-unquote good and bad jobs and that if there's um, a lot of tv testing for example you'll take turns and doing that rather than having one person be loaded up yeah mm. yeah definitely i think i think it's something that is very important in getting the job satisfaction in having the um the sort of like the good jobs that everybody likes doing like the scanning and the clinical work and sort of like the sick cow visits the sort of surgery all that side of stuff um but at the end of it you can't do a farm animal job without some tb testing so as long as everyone knows that everyone's pulling their weight equally then there's no bad feelings towards each other in the team that somebody's getting off lightly with all the fun stuff <laughs> 
rather than when you, if you're launched with the TB testing. So, <laughs> so everyone gets a bit taste of the glory cases. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and you guys also have fairly regular lunch and learns. Is that right? Yeah, mm. yeah. So we have. Um, it tends to be pharmaceutical reps coming mm. in, and they often give a chat about some condition or disease, uh, which is usually finished by them trying to flog whatever product that they. <laughs> going at the moment but um yeah they sort of like give the chat about the disease and then sort of how pretty much at the end how their product often helps with that just over fish and chips type thing at lunch Mm. and it's um yeah it's a nice informal learning environment where they you can learn a lot ask you questions and sort of bounce ideas off each other really that must be quite nice because imagine that you guys must be crazy busy going all over the place so actually having a time where you're all in the same place at the same time is quite rare yeah Mm. yeah so it is nice to be able to come and sort of actually sit down and have a Sort of proper chat about things in the middle of the day with everyone there because yeah a lot of the time people are out on different visits and all over the place yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah getting everyone in the same place at once is uh, a bit tricky at times but yeah. it's um it's nice when it happens speaking of we should probably let you get back to work thank you so much for giving us your time no worries glad to help thank you we're now here with Richard Ayler, who's the director and has actually been with the practice since the very beginning. So at the beginning, it was you and your wife basically setting out together. How did that it then work to expand to what you have now? In the initial early days, it was, that was be okay. Soph, you'll be okay. I'll help you out one afternoon a week. But you can get on with it. And within several months, it was, I was helping out all the time. <laughs> um, because the business just grew, we were very lucky and how the business grew as quick as it did because we were in an area where there's practices going out of doing farm work and we saw the niche of actually coming in and offering the purely farm animal only practice but it's, it has grown it has grown we've been very lucky um, it isn't an easy ride by any chance <laughs> it isn't a plain sailing uh, running any business and if you talk to any any company owners that talk to each other behind closed doors with nobody else is hearing they've all got horror stories they've had to deal with and we've all been the same it's but you've just got to try and keep retention of vets keep the customers happy and ride the waves <laughs> so when you add more vets how do you start to deal with the diary i imagine in there might be different jobs or different timings that people want or? if we get new vets um, we start off it doesn't matter how experienced they are when they come their first visits they go out on they always go out with one of the senior vets either ollie the clinical director or sophie um and <clears throat> they basically they're seeing how they go, go on from there. You've probably, I see you've got the star chart on the table here, which yeah, Sophie's obviously brilliant. talked about, yeah. um, which is very back to basics, how to do it. And it's quite easy for anybody in the office if we've got a junior vet, or in that case, I think you've got like three or four junior vets on there. Who's done what? Who can do what? Who is trusted by the senior vets to go and do procedures? Um, and for ourselves, it's the case of, we aim to have them up and running doing caesareans on their own within six months. We want them out doing caesareans, we want them out doing carvings on their own, doing LDAs. We don't want to have to be double vetting, losing money by actually having two vets doing one job. Because mm. we only charge for one vet, we don't charge for two vets going out. Mm-hmm. So it's the scenario of we do mentor the juniors quite a lot at the start, give them enough rope to go out and do it themselves, but they've also got the option of calling in the senior vet if need be. And when they do go out, has been known for vets to be sass the other side of the hedge yeah. <laughs> Wait, waiting for the phone call especially on their first cesarean 
sitting yeah. there with the sandwich. Yeah, probably... sitting on the sandwich, our phone up and say we're he's going to a cesarean from a carving and we've just basically turned around and gone, Yeah, yeah, okay, you're you're on your own and you hear that deafening silence down their phone and they don't realise is Sophie or one of the other guys is already en route out because they found out it was a carving and it's probably sat half a mile down the road. So when they do get the farm with a phone, your your junior vet needs assistance. They find the vets usually in the yard in less than five minutes to yeah. help, and it's but it's it works. It's most ninety nine percent of the vets that we've had come through from being new grads have done really well off it. They like it. It's it's informal, but it's also structured so they know exactly where they're going. And their salaries relate. As soon as they get, to, they can do a cesarean. Their wages go up as soon as they can do a c- certain procedures. Their wages keep increasing all the time. So there's a bit of a bit of um, an incentive there. So if actually they push on, they do get on their own, show they're willing, and can do it on their own. We'll actually reward them because we, we, it's, it's not costing us as much. Brilliant. So they know that in advance. They know if I can really crack this. Then. If they really crack this, yeah. they can actually. Oh, I think we've um, we've got some new grads coming for interview next week. I think, and we sat there working it out. And Sophie turned around and said, "We do realise in the first two years of." Um, been here, they could actually get approximately a 40% pay rise. 40%? Yeah, if they hit all the targets. Mm. And like, I think you've spoken to Craig already, and those guys that have been with us two years now, mm. they're all hitting that, they've all had a 40% pay rise in the first two years of being here. Well, that is an incentive. It is an incentive, <laughs> yeah. but at the start, our salaries aren't high mm. because of the amount of work we're putting into them. Mm. But unlike the corporates where they say, if you leave within 12 months, we want so much money back off you for CPD and internal training, where we actually say, no, we'll pay you less, we'll get you up to speed, hopefully you'll stay with us, because vets do move. Yeah, that's a real investment, isn't it? Mm. And you also have a really great system where you actually set the on-call vote kind of months in advance. So try to, <laughs> try to. Yeah, we, we try and put about yeah. at least three to four months up on the board. Um, mm. You've probably seen it when you're walking around. Sophie, well, Sophie sits there trying to sort it out trying to make it work um yeah it does work and the vets do give and take a bit and they cover each other's rota but actually set it out you hear horror stories of practices telling the vets what what they're going to be on duty that week Mm. let alone but we try and plan three months in advance because we want to know ourselves yeah exactly so you can plan your own lives yeah and it's really great you wander around and it's a really open plan office isn't it so every vet has got their own desk and and does that kind of help with in sharing experiences and asking for help as well because the vets all sat because the way the office is set out we've actually got two porter cabins and then we've linked them together with what we call it the pod a big 20 foot by 20 foot uh, log cabin in between joined all three offices together it actually allows us to have the space to spread out. The vets have got their own space, um, so they've all got their individual desks. They're all sat in the one porter cabin together, so they can all come back, and if they've got a question, they can turn around to their colleague and ask the question. And then Ollie, one of the clinical directors, is actually sat in there as well, so there's always there's an older vet sat with a junior vet. Mm. We don't separate them apart. Mm. But you also make sure to have some fun as well, don't you? Oh, yeah, we've got, we got to have yeah. fun. We've got to have fun. We have the shows, we have... Um, social as well and we do do we do have uh, dare I say Thirsty Thursday as we as it's <laughs> called in the practice it's uh, as you know the well-being side of it as they call it but it's end of the day you've got to if you're working hard you've got to actually relax as well mm. and if the guys are relaxing and there's dare I say they some of them do cook cakes some of them are very good cooks 
Uh, some of them are very terrible cooks. And I sympathise with that. Yeah, Sophie's a ter- terrible cook. She's been told she's not allowed to make cakes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oh, part of the book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like yeah, she made one cake and that was it. From that then on, it was never again. <laughs> but uh, no, at the end of the day, you've got to have fun. And it's, if you don't have mm. fun, it's like we the guys can come out use the garden out here. Mm. They've got the lakes down the field. They go walking down to the dogs because it seems every vet has a dog in tow so at one time or another. It's, uh, there could be 12, 14 dogs wandering around here some days. Yeah, and you try to have everyone finish at five. I mean, within reason, don't you, mm. that, so that they can plan we their evenings? Mm. We try to. We try to. Running the diary, it's the case of we book as many visits as we can in the morning. Uh, we try and always have a vet over, um, sat around waiting to go. We don't, we don't run the, the diary at 100%. So if we've got five vets and there's always a fifth vet floating around waiting to go for any burnses. It's a bit controversial when you're actually not having a vet sat there. My father is a pharmacist, you should have them working 24-7 and making them pay for themselves, but you've got to offer the service to your clients. You've got to have somebody ready to go as soon as there's a carving or a problem. Mm. So yeah, vets, we run one vet always overlapping. Um, we try and get finished by try and get all the visits done by three o'clock so it allows the vets to get back into the office clean down ready for the next day enter the paperwork on and touch wood it's very rare we actually go run over five o'clock it, we do do run over five o'clock but then you find the vets do stand in and say what can we do to help to get so-and-so off off visits off off those calls and actually get them home themselves Mm. And actually, when you come into the practice, there is the most incredible bus with a cow on top of it. <laughs> yeah. like you said that you found that on eBay and actually Yeah, from events. Barry Island in Wales. So, yeah, yeah it is. Oh, if it hadn't been white yeah. and open top, uh, and there might have been a pint of cider or two involved at the time, <laughs> um, and then woke up on the Sunday morning and said, What did I do last night? Um, yeah, it was, to be fair, it was. I'd been on about it for several years about betting one and everybody would, no 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 and we actually yeah i bought one took a punt and it worked yeah. um but uh, yeah we are renowned for our bus in the area now so yeah and you guys actually as a team kind of ripped out all the seats and yeah yeah it's actually given mm. uh, a degree educated uh, veterinarian screwdrivers and socket sets was like giving a chimpanzee a new tool so <laughs> It was quite funny, but uh, no, they, they, yeah, they ripped all the seats out, uh, do a lot of the cleaning down. We got the neighbor, one of our neighbours to come and do the carpentry work and fit in the downstairs kitchens and that. Um, but when it comes to the shows, the vets, they all, they all help it, stand in and help, because it's no mean feat. It's, we've got the bus and we've got a lorry full of stuff as well. Um, and it, it takes me a day to put set it up before a show and to pull it down at the end of a, a day can take an over an hour pack it down it's not just a fold down a few tents and the guys are all willing to help in with that which shows and to be fair they're giving up although they're getting paid for coming to do the shows on a weekend they're giving up their spare time which is quite valuable yeah well and it must really build bonds with in the community as well mm. if you can show that it there's a different side to you that there's like humor in having a cow on a bus a farm, <laughs> farmers like to come and have a, have a i'm like i'm a farmer son farmers like to come and stand on a stand have well we got the pims bar on the top of ours a bit something different uh, come and have a beer or we'll have a pims lean there have a chat to the vet the vets are part of the center part of the world you speak to a lot of um clients that we're trying to attract because we're a, a young practice relatively in eight years 
you speak to somebody where they're on about moving to you and they say, oh, we, I can't move. Well, why can't you move? And they say, well, I can't move because the vet's, my vet's my godfather. Oh. And you go, well, how do you mean? He says, well, he's been on the farm for 30 years and there's, he's been there since my father left, left university or left college. And it's the scenario of, he's my godparent, I can't move away. And you find a lot of farms farmers have the vets are such part of the big family of the country where life that's what these guys are and what's what we try to encourage them to become is not just going out doing the work is actually to invest into the local community actually go out and do the social which we do at christmas quite well Mm -hmm. (laughs) we take them to for the christmas party they go to the farmers club christmas ball which is a black tie um, event at the local hotel so yes, yes. Usually, very sore heads after that. So. <laughs> well, if anyone's ever around Bromsgrove, do keep an eye out for the bus. It is a real sight. Thanks for talking yeah. to us, Richard. That's no problem at all.